I think a materialist approach to things is very, very consistent with uh, my experience in Christian social justice. I feel like the, the deeper I get into anarchist practice, the deeper my faith is getting at the same time. I would hope that you know, securing means of life for all would be something all people of faith would say, oh yes, that's at the basis of what we believe. Those who are most marginalized know the most about the truth, good and the beautiful. To me, it's less that I think building class solidarity is a bad thing, as much as it seems like if you don't attend to things like anti-black racism, um, that's always going to get in the way of building class solidarity, actually. And when you go back, you find that a lot of uh, revolutionary grassroots participatory movements, the, the precursors to what you could call um, the barrio assemblies and these like, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church. What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? Um, you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects. Welcome to The Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Dean Detloff. I'm a PhD student at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto. I'm Matt Bernico. I teach media studies at Greenville University in Greenville, Illinois. This week on the show, we're talking with Sung Gehring, who is a really awesome, amazing Christian activist and organizer, and we had him on the show with Catherine from the uh, Friendly Anarchism podcast a little while back. Uh... And at that time, we were talking about a retreat that they were working with some other folks to put together, and the retreat happened over May Day, and we got a little bit of a report back and follow-up from uh, from Sung this week. So lots of really good thoughts about not just the retreat, but also Christianity and the left and how they should relate, and uh, some really cool... Um, really cool, I guess, like phrasing and just helpful metaphors for us, I think. Uh, but before we do that, I hear that we have an iTunes review. Yeah, you know it. All right. <laughs> iTunes review, five to five stars. Uh, the title is called uh, Religious Leftist Podcast. Not wrong there. Good description. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, this user writes, join the insurrectionary crusade for the establishment of the commune of God. These guys are ready to wage people's war against the conservatives who think they have a monopoly on religion and spirituality. Solidarity, <laughs> comrades. Solidarity. Uh, raised fist, black flag, red flag, prayer hands. Those are the emojis. <laughs> no, that's just in text. That's just in text. They wrote those words. Really weird. <laughs> uh, that's, that's cool. Good. I mean, these. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think that's uh that's overstating how cool we are actually. But um, I'll take it. But I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, same. Yeah, I don't know that I'm ready to start a people's war, but I am ready to talk about a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, definitely uh, give some money to a GoFundMe uh, for people's <laughs> war. uh well be careful because someone's gonna email you about that for sure yeah for sure well whatever (laughs) um yeah i don't know uh insurrection against the conservative christians and not letting them have uh the final say on what the faith could be i think is is accurate and really good though um yeah for sure yeah a lot of themes that actually come out in this episode so that's a really timely review (laughs) yep cool well, without further ado, let's let Sung teach us how to do that. Hey, so this week we're talking with Sung about the Friendly Fire Collective and a really cool retreat that they did uh, a while back. Um, we talked to Sung and Catherine, both members of that collective, a little while back. 
before the retreat happened. So now we're kind of debriefing, I guess, and learning a little bit more about um, the collective and and uh, what Heisung's all about as well. So uh, before we get into that, Heisung, what have you been up to this week or this? I guess today's Memorial Day, so on the old day off. <laughs> Um, well, I've been working a gross amount recently because I've been trying to make up that money, uh, you know, that time I spent on the retreat and all that money I didn't make. But now I have a day off. I have a day off for three days. So I have three days off. So I'm very pleased. <laughs> That's good. Um, a day off for three days is a really good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, what have you been up to? Um, yeah, I actually forgot today was Memorial Day, so, um, I had some plans for today, but then, um, my son's daycare is closed, which is cool, because now I just have to stay at home and, like, watch cartoons with him, so that's what I've been doing, watching cartoons. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I was also in Toronto a few days ago with you, and now I'm back and, uh, very sick, so that's sort of the weird <laughs> trade-off, that once I come back to the United States, uh, just all weighs back down on me, and I get really sick and sleepy, so that's bad, but it's cool been a good day off yeah what have you been doing dean um well i uh, had a really good time hanging out with you and then i also hung out with sarah new the day after you left so just had a real um christian socialist kind of week last week and that was really fun and then uh yesterday my partner emily graduated from like her first leg of, of yoga school so i went to a party there and i got a sound bath I uh, didn't know what that was, um, but somebody like plays this drum and then they uh, jingle these chimes and then they jingle the chimes around like either part of like your head. Uh, mm -hmm. It's pretty wild. Um, but anyway, now I'm now all my sounds are clean, I guess. So Ooh, that was fun. That's good. Yeah. Cleaning out that that aura, you know. Yeah, I got those squeaky clean ears now. <laughs> cool that <laughs> sounds like a really wild time yeah. and i want to ask a thousand more questions about it but hey let's not for right now <laughs> uh, yeah you, you should ask emily because i'm not equipped to answer <laughs> any of them <laughs> all right well that's cool that's good um, uh nice yeah well hey sung um we had you and Catherine on a while back to tell us about the friendly fire collective and it sounds really cool and uh it happened it all went down and transpired and um i wonder if you could just give us a little bit of a recap about like what uh the collective is about yeah um well we actually had a meeting yesterday to figure out uh what the collective is about um so i mean we just started like i mean we had a number of people who were like you know involved before and we we're like just trying to we we organized to like create this retreat basically uh, with like a desire to do things in the future and like create momentum from that. But like yesterday we had to sit down or like a, you know, a wire call with a bunch of people and who came to the retreat and organizers uh, who have been like involved with friendly fire for a while to just figure out like, what are we doing? And like, what is this for again? And like all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, uh, it was actually really good. And we kind of just like, we didn't really like map out anything or like goals or, you know, potential actions or anything, but we kind of just like put some like words to like what our like vision is. And I basically, we see ourselves as like a network of 
individuals and cells and communities dedicated to the apocalyptic work. And like apocalypse has been a big, was like a big theme during the retreat. Um, uh, Argentina actually like gave a sermon on the apocalypse, which was really powerful. And we had like a pretty like wild Pentecostal prayer meeting after that, honestly. And it was unexpected and really good. But um, yeah, uh, so basically we see ourselves as uh, just Christians, uh, a pastoral presence accompanying the revolutionary left. Um, and yeah, we're figuring out what that means and what that's going to look like. But so far, that's what we know. <laughs> uh, that was the coolest thing. I really like that idea of pastoral presence accompanying the left. That just feels like a really nice way of, I guess, setting up a relationship that doesn't assume an opposition, but also assumes a kind of maybe like uniquely Christian contribution that doesn't reek of like Christian supremacy or something. It's just like, hey, we're like here to help uh, in whatever ways that we can. Um could you uh, maybe do a little bit of a recap too, I guess, for people who hadn't listened to it about just the retreat and like what you guys were hoping to accomplish with it? And uh, yeah, like maybe it, we'll, we'll get into what actually happened, but kind of like maybe a little bit about what you were planning and what you were kind of hoping would happen. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I like kind of poured my whole like self into this retreat, into organizing it. And at the same time, like, I'm like, I don't even know what I was expecting. Like, I, I just wanted to get people together and get people who, like, have these same convictions to, like, know each other and connect and, like, start brewing up something. And I don't know. And, I mean, that's what we saw. And it was good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was really just a time to, like, for people to, like, uh I don't know. Everyone who came basically is pretty like is a pretty involved organizer, uh, whether like they're anarchists or Marxist Leninists or whatever. Like they're all involved in their their communities and stuff. And so everyone was pretty burnt out too. And so I also really just wanted the retreat to be a place where like they can like chill out and like be around people who are dealing with the same stuff, who are who are in the struggle together, and just kind of like. I don't know, doing the whole wounded healer thing and just being present to one another and like our own kind of grief and tiredness, but also in our like relentless like faith and hope and stuff. So, yeah. Well, do you think that you achieved some of those things? How did the actual retreat go? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, more it was like. I remember in the last episode, we talked about like healing, kind of just like in uh, a space of healing, and that would be what the retreat is. And like I said that, or maybe Catherine said that, but I didn't really, or maybe you named it or something, but it wasn't something I really thought about too much, but that actually kind of ended up becoming like a major theme of the retreat. It was very, um, I don't know, it was a very honest and vulnerable and like tender atmosphere. And like, I don't know. There was constantly people crying, to be honest, especially like white straight men, which felt very nice. <laughs> and it was like sweet to watch. But at the same time, yeah, there was a lot of uh, um, people being real with what's been going on in their communities and like their their, their struggles and like uh, with the anti-fascist struggle and um, seeing their friends get arrested and being arrested and dealing with police brutality and um all these things came out and also just like other things like 
you know, their own personal issues and uh, people were there for each other with that. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a very healing space. Um, and th- I mean, honestly, like beforehand, like my one prayer, <laughs> I even said it out loud was just like, like, I didn't want this to just be like a sentimental, like sweet time. And like, I was like, God, just like, don't make this like a burning man thing. <laughs> like, I don't want it just to be like a, like, I don't want it to just be like fun and sweet for the sake of that. Like, if it's gonna like have that, I want it to be powerful and I want it to be meaningful and I want it to actually lead to something. Um, and I feel like it did. And I feel like it's going to at least. I mean, you know, I feel like it's just planting seeds and stuff, but um, I feel like we, I feel like that space cleared a lot in people to make space for, for what the spirit is doing, um, in their lives and, and what God wants to do with them. So, yeah, I don't know. It felt good. (laughs) I I think we did. I think it was. (laughs) That's so cool. I really like that idea, uh, that I guess that kind of speaks to what you were just saying about this kind of pastoral presence. Um, just having a, a sort of space where people can chill out and deal with that burnout. Um, I guess like do you we asked you this on the last uh, podcast as well but about the uh connection between spiritual life and spiritual um care I guess and political activity and maybe you could talk a little bit about that connection at the retreat as well because you guys got into some direct action stuff or uh like I know that you showed up at the uh Amede rally nearby um so how did those things kind of interplay like having a space where people can come together and meet and chill out and then also a space where people can kind of think politically about how to channel some of those energies or something like that yeah um well this year philadelphia was a little like last year there was like a teacher strike um on mayday so there was so many people who came out to the mayday march like thousands but this year it was kind of a last minute thing and i actually got put on the committee for the the planning committee for the Mayday event. And it was super last minute, but like it still turned out to be a thing. And it was a super small group. It was basically like uh, some reps from different like leftist orgs here in Philly. And but it was mostly just the IWW, honestly. Um, but we came out and uh, we came out for the, the rally, the Mayday rally at City Hall. And we just kind of were determined to have an occupying presence at City Hall all day long. And because there was like different demonstrations all over Philadelphia. And uh, we just kind of wanted to be present to it. And uh, like, I mean, I'm talking about Friendly Fire, just wanted to be present to these uh, demonstrations. And uh, a lot of them ended up at City Hall, like the marches would end there. And, uh, yeah, so we were there, we were present, but, like, our thing was just, like, feeding people, you know, feeding all those who were at the rally. We made, like, peanut butter jelly sandwiches and had water bottles and had bags of chips and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was really interesting, too, though, because it was, like, seeing people from my, like, world of, like, organizing and stuff and, like, here in Philly uh, merging with these, like, weirdo Christian, like, anarchists and and leftists and uh and they were like talking about god and stuff and like these huge group discussions and like like i don't know it was kind of cute to watch uh but that being said it wasn't like we did like anything like a a wild direct action where like i don't or like any kind of like liturgical direct action or anything like that but uh there was definitely like 
there was something very um, powerful to me that we could at least offer like something materially at that time and have a supporting role to the events that were going on. Uh, that's really cool. Well, um, did you guys get any like really strong reactions uh, to being a bunch of radical Christians at a May Day event? Was there anybody that was like not pleased that you were there or extremely pleased that you were there? How did that go? How did those big conversations shape out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was it was fine. <laughs> I mean, like we were well received. We came. We actually marched to the the demonstration to the rally, and we were you know chanting. Uh, eat the rich, feed the poor, and with our, like, banners and stuff, and our, our banner said, like, all cops are apostates, and, like, as we were coming in, like, they everyone started cheering, and we were, like, a third of the demonstration, because <laughs> there was, like, about 30 of us, so uh, we added a bunch more bodies, and so, like, they were just happy we were there, but then, like, you know, it was good, but it was mostly, like, people who were passing us by and stuff, so, like, you know, like, liberals on the street and stuff who mm-hmm. had stuff to say, uh, especially about our banners. Um, and uh, but like other than that, there's nothing really too negative. It was, it was yeah. Like I said, it was it was kind of cool how harmonious this like uh, convergence of these worlds were. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit more about that banner, which is very cool? The all cops are apostates banner. Um, like maybe first we could ask you like what what's sort of the theology or idea behind a banner like that. And secondly, I'm very curious to hear more about what liberals on the street said about it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward, Dean. But, uh, <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they're they're uh, traitors of faith of the Christian faith, cops. I mean, it's it's an evil, corrupt system. Uh, they're tools of empire and. They're, yeah, they're apostates. <laughs> so it was like, I don't know, it kind of felt like, you know, one of those like prophetic judgments from like the Old Testament. There was something to it, like, and it was kind of sweet too, because like the people who are holding these banners, like the cutest people, like we were all so cute. Like everyone was so like sweet and kind. And then they had this like militant banner and like bandanas on their faces. So it was really, it was interesting. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, And there is one guy that I talked to, actually, who just his issue, he was like, I, you know, I went and I I met with the Zapatistas. I've been all over the world and I've seen revolutionary work. And this is just like bad rhetoric. It's not helpful, this and that. So it was like that sort of thing. And his whole thing was that like all not all cops are bad and that sort of thing. So that's fine. You know, like we talked for a bit and I think we kind of like kind of agreed to disagree but also like basically agreed on like important things but it was just more like of a rhetoric issue and just not thinking it was like helpful agitation and like i i definitely see where he's coming from but like also cops are bad (laughs) right yeah that's funny um because it seems pretty clear to me i mean you guys are making it it is it's a rhetoric that makes like a, a sweeping statement about sort of the role of police as protectors of private property in a society i don't think it's actually all that surprising for someone to say especially from the left in the christian position i guess to me it is kind of funny because it's like uh, there's sort of an irony to it in the sense that like apostasy is usually the kind of judgment that like um large hierarchical organizations can make about people but like here you guys are people who are probably skewing a lot of hierarchy but still making the claim i think there's something interesting and funny and playful about that so i don't know to me it's good rhetoric so that guy 
Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like too that's a it's a really neat way to tap into those Quaker themes that inform at least a lot of you who are involved in the Friendly Fire Collective, uh, carrying on themes of abolition and not just prison abolition, but police abolition, I guess. Um, were those kinds of like discussions that you guys were having at the retreat? Like, how did people start connecting their own particular Christian traditions to sort of leftist action or like comparing notes? I guess I feel like one of the strongest things about the collective is that it's really ecumenical in like both political and ecclesial senses. Like, there's a lot of different kinds of Christians and also different kinds of leftists. Um, so, how did people kind of reach into their own traditions and maybe make some of those uh, cross-pollinated uh, <laughs> ideas uh, fit together? Yeah, I said. Well, you know, there were a number of people who were Quaker, and like I, I mentioned in the last episode, like Quakers have a, a a rich history, especially like the first generation of Quakers have a rich history of like holy foolishness and kind of like just uh, kind of like liturgical direct action type of stuff where they, you know, and I, I mentioned this as well, but like kind of like shamelessly going into the the public like naked and pronouncing judgment on the world and you know uh and like going into churches and just like preaching over pastors about like how they're tools of empire basically and um there there is something like about the quaker faith uh that is a very confrontational i mean you may not see that now because i mean especially like unprogrammed quakers or just tend to be like passive liberals but um yeah, it is uh, something that is ba- like it's what drew me to Quakerism. At least that 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 was a major aspect of it uh, that drew me to Quakerism. Um, and so, like, yeah, uh, I think for a number of us, that like testimony uh, rings true to a lot of us, and and this is how we felt like we were being faithful to our tradition. Um, and for other people, like, definitely, um, I'm trying to think of what. <laughs> how other people would have done that because I'm just speaking from my own uh, experience but uh, I don't know I think especially with like there there were a number of folks who come from more um, like Pentecostal and charismatic backgrounds maybe they're not involved in that anymore but it was like definitely it was definitely a presence that was felt and uh, and a tradition that was present and that kind of like the whole idea of like I don't know shamelessly loving God, you know, like which is like very charismatic, um, and having that like very uh, I don't know that kind of extravagant devotion. Uh, I feel like that very like just like how people like we marched in that street with that banner. It felt like this is like a Pentecostal praxis. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool that you, that you even would describe it as a Pentecostal praxis because there's something like, from, from the sounds of things, it, it's like you guys are putting uh, your actual sort of faith practices uh uh, to use in more of a political arena, like marching down the streets and like chanting is like, you know, it is very Pentecostal or, or even the way you describe being at city hall the whole day, you want it to sort of maintain presence in the sense that like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's what, that's what Quakers are really good at doing is showing up and like being in a place, um, sort of in an unprogrammatic way. 
or even just feeding people, right? These are all sort of like Christian Christian things that you guys are doing that you're putting mm. um, to use in a more radical way. And uh, that's definitely something that I think more more Christians should do and take away from this. There, uh, there, Christianity can do things more than it does now. Yeah, and I, I definitely like something that like Matt uh, or yeah, no, Dean, you mentioned earlier was that uh, um, just like that we kind of like articulated our, our mission in a way that doesn't build us towards like a Christian superiority thing. And I think that something that like a phrase that we kind of like keep saying and that keeps coming up is just like, uh, like we're, you know, doulas of the end times. And I, I, I really like that idea. And it's something I've been kind of like thinking about a lot. Uh, and just like this whole idea of like, I don't know, you know how like Marx says that like force is like the midwife of an old society pregnant with a new society and like i don't know jesus says that like the violent will take and or like the, the like the forceful will take and seize the kingdom and so there's something about that uh that feels like very true to me about like um like creating a movement of like force a, a militant movement um a, because I feel like that is something that's actually like super inherent in our tradition, just like in the biblical narrative and the Christian narrative of, you know, like Jesus just going into the temple and just like fucking shit up and like that sort of thing. Uh, but at the same time, like I'd, I wouldn't say like I think the church is supposed to be the midwife. Uh, I think actually the church is supposed to be the doula because like a midwife is like the the healthcare provider. Right. But as a doula, they're kind of having. um they're like the additional services. They're like providing extra care. And that's kind of how I see what I wanna, what we wanna build uh, through Friendly Fire is building like an accompanying presence to the left, uh, to accompanying presence to, uh, to, to the movement of justice that's like ushering in apocalypse. Uh, yeah. Dang. Uh, my partner was a doula for a little while, and that is the coolest metaphor that I've ever heard as a result of that <laughs> experience. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. I think what else is really neat um, about just how you're talking about it now is there's a really strong and clear sense that the um, the kinds of things that you guys are, are doing and experimenting with and thinking about and talking about and praying about, like those things emerge from the i guess like from a real authentic desire to be a christian person in the world um and i mean a lot of times christian leftists get accused of like just uh packaging leftist ideas in a christian like wrapping and then just kind of sending it out and being like yeah we're just you know closeted marxists or whatever and christian leftists are always trying to like fight that um, and say there's something more, uh, something like deeper and more, more honest, I think going on. And, uh, the way that you're talking about it here, it just feels like a good way of articulating that, that like, well, there's a kind of Christian role to play in this, but this isn't like, <laughs> like it both is a Christian thing and not a Christian thing insofar as Christianity shouldn't kind of mark off like the true revolution from like the fake one <laughs> or like the non-Christian one. Uh, I think that's like a really important balance to strike. Uh, and it, I, I don't know. I'm just that dual metaphor is something that's really like turning a lot of gears in my head right now. Yeah. And like, I, I, I and I, I will say like, I don't think like revolution will literally bring 
the kingdom of God on earth. Like, I don't think that's what revelation is talking about. Um, but I do think like revolutionary work and revolution, like, like it's creating a world where it's easier to be a good person. Right. So it's clearing the space for the kingdom to like manifest and for the kingdom to, to come to earth. And so that's like, it's like contemplative spirituality in that way, where it's like you're clearing space within your, within yourself for God and for God to to move in your life and to to provide a sanctified imagination for you. And so like in that sense, like yeah, I I I don't think like I don't know. I don't think revolution is like my religion, but I definitely see it like I don't know. I definitely see this work as important to where we are in this stage and in this time in history uh, as a Christian. Um Dang, sorry, man. I'm just I'm thinking. Uh, you said the word sanctified imagination. It's like echoing in my head. Just trying to think think through that one for a minute. That's a such a cool term. Um, usually, I mean, when Dean and I talk, I got it from Bethel Church. Oh no way, really? <laughs> I got it from I think Bill Johnson from Bethel Church. Holy so crap! There you go. Well, I'm using this... the enemy's tools. Yeah, for sure. Well, in this context, it's like it means something a little bit different, or it makes me feel a little bit different. Because yeah, I mean, if I went to any more uh, conservative church and I heard that, I'd be like, I don't know, who knows what that means. But in this context, it makes me think a little bit differently. A sanctified imagination, especially when it comes to revolutionary movements, uh, means something entirely different uh, contextually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's a cool term. I'll have to keep thinking about that one in uh, along these lines. Uh, well, anyways, um, you guys had this uh, retreat and you went out uh, to May Day together and had this kind of really formative moment. And now you guys are having larger conversations about what it means to be a collective and how you're going to work together. Um, well, so did these events like inspire you to think up any more wild projects for the future? Is there going to be another retreat? Are you guys going to march together again? What uh, What is to come? I mean, yeah, probably. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, post-retreat, my brain has been like off. I have been working a disgusting amount, but like we just met yesterday and like it was actually, and I'll, well, I'll say this, like I'm here in Philadelphia, a number, a couple of people came from Philadelphia to this retreat. And like, we have decided to, to commit to kind of, uh, having a lay community, uh, together, um, where we will be worshiping together and, you know, uh, doing the thing of actions and like being present to the left, being present to the work that needs to be done. Um, but like yesterday we, we talked about how right now, like our, our focus is, um, supporting like among friendly fire as a whole, as a network, um, it's kind of like a ministerial support network, you know, like all these people were all over the place. Some people are just the only friendly fire people in their cities and they're not like going to start out. Let's like, we're not trying to build a house church movement or anything like that. Um, but we just kind of want to support each other, uh, in the work that we're doing where we are and help each other, um, you know, be a pastoral presence um, and be pastors to one another. So um, so that's like what like our immediate thing is. We're just like focused on that right now. But like, yes, we're going to keep going with our newsletter. We want to have another retreat and we want to like create more like agitprop and like um, and do more actions together. And and uh, yeah, but also like we, we, we've been talking about like what does like being a pastoral presence mean um, like during like an action? And that's something that I was kind of thinking about 
post like Charlottesville is like like what like what does spiritual care look like in that space because it's definitely needed like you know after everything happened or even during like it's definitely like needed people are being traumatized um but what does that look like and I, I would like to like kind of figure that out and I think we all we've been talking about that a bit is like like being being like offering spiritual care in those moments of of not just crisis but just intense moments during demonstrations and during protests and and these sorts of things and uh yeah so like we're definitely just starting to have conversations on what we want to do but ultimately it's not like we're like this like i don't know we're all over the place and we we can't do as much as we want to together um like you know because uh, it's just like not feasible. Uh, so uh, yeah, like we, we, we do plan on doing more, but right now we're just like kind of focusing on, on building capacity with each other. Um, but more is to come, don't get me wrong. And we're definitely going to have another retreat next year. And I would love for like, I don't know, like a lot of people couldn't make it because they live across the country and they can't take that much time off work for like, especially with the travel time and all that. I would love there to be like local things, you know, even if it's just a group of 10 people just to like have a weekend of, of like prayer and like being with each other um, in the midst of just like the chaos of organizing right now. So uh, yeah, that'd be cool. That would be really cool. That would be cool. Maybe we could talk a little bit about, kind of what it means to be a Christian person in a place like the United States uh, right now or Canada, but I guess like the United States specifically. Um, I mean, it's like every other week there's, <laughs> there are like two articles that I see a lot that keep getting rewritten. One is about how like white evangelicals keep liking Donald Trump more and more, which is pretty absurd <laughs> and like gross. And the other one is uh, that the religious left is here. But what they mean by the religious left is like, I don't know, like Cory Booker, like a Democratic, uh, you know, congressperson showing up at church or like uh, Elizabeth Warren, like hanging out with a bunch of pastors. Um, so, like, what does it mean to be a, a religious or more specifically a Christian kind of revolutionary leftist group in that kind of climate? Like one where people don't really have like, I guess I wouldn't say like a sanctified imagination. They have like barely any imagination at all um, when it comes to like how Christianity could look different. Um, what are maybe like the challenges and kind of opportunities that you see in that kind of climate? Yeah, I, I you know, I don't know, but I definitely think having a, a greater imagination for the sake of the church and for the sake of the left is important. And like, for me, that's what like I felt was really cool about this retreat was that, like you said, like it was very ecumenical and like uh, multi-tendency. And um, and that like created a space where we could like think of revolutionary work in a, a broader, more dynamic way, and we could also think of our our faith as a, a in a more dynamic way. And um, and I think it, that'd be cool if we could help like even if we're just a pre like even if that's like one thing that we're doing is like creating a multi-tendency space where we're like talking about these things like uh with with marxist leninists with trots and with like you know anarcho-communists and all that all, all that stuff um that'd be cool um I, I would like to like broaden that imagination and but like really like for me like i would like to broaden um a theological understanding of this and like a, the a theological understanding of like um, 
justice and and the church and, and revolution and like I don't know. Uh, for me, one thing, like at least this is what I feel called to. Like I think there are people who are definitely called to like be salters and churches, and that's something we talked about at the retreat. Uh, like people to, especially like it's very possible in Quaker meetings, honestly, that really small Quaker meetings where they have that egalitarian model to like you know um, kind of push people to the left and also like have a radical presence. Like that's such a real thing that people can be doing and should be doing if you're in church. But I, I feel that there, there are a number of us who are at their retreat that have like a different sense of calling where it's actually like having a separateness from the church and cultivating a, a separate, like apocalyptic Christian culture. Um, uh, and, and a revolutionary Christian culture um, that models church and a and a very and models what doing church and and being the church um, in a very different way in a way that is like honestly very foreign and but at the same time using these elements in the language in a way that they like kind of know we're right <laughs> like and are convicted by that and are convicted by like you know like. You, you read Acts 2, um, but hey, we're actually doing it. Um, and like, actually, God's on our side. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's just like uh, one thing, I guess. It, it's just like, yeah, being separate, at least for me. Yeah. Can you tell us a little more about that separateness? Um, why is that important to you? We, I mean,. I, well, I guess for me, it's just like, it's kind of like the whole reformism thing. We could keep on trying to like work in these institutions and like, and like try to bend them towards justice. And I think there's definitely something to it. And it like, it depends on like what your denomination is, what like the powers that be, how that all works. But personally, like I don't have the energy for that. And I just like really want to do the work <laughs> and I really want to be in the church as like the church that like Jesus was talking about and the church that the apostles experienced. And, and like, I, I, I can't wait personally to have mutual aid. I need it now. You know, I need to, to experience that now. I need, and I, I need a fellowship that actually like I feel committed to. And like, I could be confident that these people are willing to like lay their lives down for me. And I could feel confident that I would do the same for them. Um, so, for me, that's why it's important. I, I, I'm, I'm like, I, you know, the the barrier of, of like whiteness and um, kind of and the, you know, bourgeois values and in, in, in Quakerism, even if they're kind of the better, you know, religious people, as some people would say or think or as they would think, it's 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 even more of a barrier. Like, it's like the, the fact that they're liberal and like confident in their liberalness is like, feels like even stronger of a barrier towards pushing them um, towards the left and towards doing important work and, and being abolitionists again. Um, because they were abolitionists, you know, during, you know, like in the 1840s, 1850s or whatever, like they're confident in that. That's their identity. But they're not doing that now, but they're resting on this like legacy. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, we could keep trying to reform things. But meanwhile, like I'm poor. <laughs> so and meanwhile, like other like people are struggling. And so like I, I need that apostolic church now.
Hmm. Yeah. Um. I there's a, a like there are a bunch of very cool slogans that appear on Friendly Fire stuff, like the newsletter and blog and all that kind of thing. But one that I always kind of um like warm one that I like warms my heart, I guess, is uh the one that says another church is possible. Um, I really love that because it's a nice play on the the sort of leftist slogan, right? Into the world is possible, but uh, it's cool to imagine another church being possible. Uh, one thing that Matt and I kind of found in our research on Christians for Socialism uh, was a similar sort of impulse. Um, they called it like a people's church. And uh, so they had this stuff called like the seeds of a people's church, um, trying to imagine that. And uh, I, I think that's really cool because a lot of Christian leftists also, or people who identify that way, uh, they're like very interested in like some leftist political issues, but they have no real concern for like changing their own Christian communities or I guess challenging it. Like a lot of people get really defensive about, uh, you know, yeah, you can be a Marxist, but like you should also be like extremely orthodox as like a Catholic or something. Uh, at least those are the people I talk to. And, uh, yeah, I find that so frustrating and troubling because it kind of assumes this weird Christian purity um, and I think that's what's really important about Friendly Fire is like, yeah, like another church is possible. And in fact, like not only is it possible, but like you're doing it. So <laughs> another church kind of already exists in a way. Um, yeah. Hey, Sung, I think that's so cool, too, because uh, so you, you mentioned like churches that sort of like rest on the legacy of being abolitionists in you know, the 1800s or whatever. And that's so funny because that is exactly what my church does. Um like the free methodist church they were abolitionists in the 1800s and like that's the still they're still sort of writing that vibe out and that's like kind of their cred to be about justice um however it's like uh since then uh since then people are the the free methodist church basically just asked people to like uh, be really patient um sort of uh you're the the greatest contradiction to that of of not being patient of wanting it now is such a good and powerful desire i think to have yeah and again like i definitely think there needs there sh- there ought to be people and i'm thankful for those people who remain in their churches but and are like pushing their church and are pushing even like their whole denominations it's just um it's just that things are you know people people need stuff now <laughs> yeah. so like yeah like that's i i think that's important though like i don't want to deny that and i'm thankful for it um yeah, well, maybe, we, like, could we talk a little bit about how um, Friendly Fire sort of works, like, if people wanted to get involved? Like, so say someone listens to this episode and they're like, wow, another church is possible. That's what I want. Um, how do they uh, sort of, I guess, um, contribute to the stuff that y'all are doing? And I guess not just theoretically, but also materially. Like, you guys were fundraising, and I think still are, right, for uh, some of the costs of the, the retreat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, what what is helpful for uh, building the kind of network that you guys are imagining? Yeah. I mean, like you said, like it'd be cool. Uh, any donation helps like, but we don't have too much left to raise, but oh, a couple hundred more dollars. But, um, but like, or more importantly, like, I mean, like, I don't know what we have to like, I don't know what we have to offer to like pull people in, you know, like, I don't know how we can like um, plug them in, but like, if you just send an email to friendlyfireinfo at protonmail.com, like, at least we can, like, talk. And, like, at least I could figure out if someone's in your area. And, like, you know, and, like, um, and maybe you can, like, help. Like, honestly, like, I would like our newsletter to be 
uh, a regular thing and a way to create like like you know agitation and like propaganda like that'd be awesome um so yeah i mean we can figure it out just email us <laughs> but yeah Cool. Uh, so we have this like stock question that we kind of ask everyone at the end of our interviews now. Uh, sometimes we remember and sometimes we don't. And this time I did. Um, so I'm going to put it to you. Uh, what do you think that Christians should know about leftists? And what do you think that leftists should know about Christians? God, I, I didn't think you'd ask this again. Because <laughs> last time I just, I like didn't, I just kind of like spat something out and uh, <laughs> i'm about to do it again <laughs> uh yeah uh i i i guess for for christians uh um hmm yeah i guess for christians is that like yeah another church is possible i, I like that i like that you brought that up thanks <laughs> um but yeah, like there, there is definitely uh, like the things that people are hungering for, like whether that be revival or whether that be Pentecost, the Book of Acts, um, uh, you know, uh, a church of like of like real discipleship, like there, that's something that's happening and totally can happen in a very real and material way, but it's probably not going to happen at Bethel Church. It's probably not going to happen at IHOP KC, you know. Um, it, but it is happening, and it's actually like a material thing. And then it's like a, a real movement that's actually creating that that kingdom that people are praying for. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't know. It's possible, and it's happening, and you're totally invited. And I, I want you to be involved. We need everyone. Um, and for leftists... Um, about the church, you said? Yeah, or Christianity, whatever, whatever you want, however you want to go about it. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that, that's a hard question for me because it's like when people don't like the church or don't want to engage with Christianity, it's hard to be like, it's hard to be like, well, give us a chance. Like, like forget about empire. <laughs> like, forget about colonization, <laughs> imperialism, you know? But, um, but like at the same time, um, also, the reality is that most of the church globally is are, are um, have been stomped by imperialism, stomped on by imperialism, and are are also like in the same struggle, <laughs> and like are like and uh, a lot of uh, oppressed people have found uh, value in in this gospel narrative um, for a reason and it's not just because like i don't know today i saw someone's status and it was like the worst hot take about how religion it was created by the bourgeoisie to like um to like make us obedient to masters um i was just like i mean definitely like you know the gospel has been like co-opted and stuff it's just like just a stupid hot take and like but the reality is it's like like it doesn't have to be that way and it hasn't always been that way and it's continually not been that way maybe that hasn't been the majority but it has like fed some real revolutionaries to doing amazing and and powerful work and 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 oppressed people it's led oppressed people towards a vision of liberation and there and there's a reason for that um yeah that's a good answer well two good answers yeah i think so um 
Cool. Well, thanks so much, Haesung, for coming on the show again. Uh, it's really fun always to hear about what you're up to and really inspiring. And uh, I mean, we always are like following the newsletter and hearing about what's going on. And uh, there's always always something. So I hope that work lets up for you soon. You can get back to all that uh, troublemaking. Thank you. Thanks again for inviting me on the show. It's always great to talk to you guys. Thanks for listening to Magnificast. If you like what you heard, then please support us on Patreon, uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, get into our iTunes, wait, get into our iTunes reviews and leave us a good comment and uh, maybe follow us on Facebook too. I don't know, we're on all those platforms. Why wouldn't you be? Gotta create that good uh, value for those giant social media corporations. Um, (laughs) We're not on uh, Instagram though, so, you know. Yeah. Got that going for us. Yeah. Just take our word for it. We eat some pretty good food, but we don't post any pictures of it there. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. Also, if you liked uh, what you heard about Heisung and the Friendly Fire Collective, you can kind of check out uh, what they're at and what they're doing. Uh, HeisungFrancis.com is Heisung's blog. Get at it. Uh, the Friendly Fire Collective.wordpress.com is the Friendly Fire Collective <laughs> WordPress. Uh, it has all their updates about like what they're doing. Um, lots of cool pictures from uh, the retreat that we talked about in this episode. Uh, lots of good blog posts and uh, good things to think about. And you can also subscribe to their newsletter there. So I definitely suggest doing that. Um, among all of those other things, you should also uh, give a hand to the Friendly Fire Collective at um, raising a little bit more money to pay for the sort of residual stuff after the uh, retreat is over. They'll need a little bit more money. So if you could give them a hand, that'd be awesome. Uh, you can find it at uh, gofundme.com friendly dash fire slash retreat. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes because it's hard to say. Anyways, they only need a little bit more left, so just uh, get out there and help help some good Christian comrades out. Um, as usual, the uh, intro music is from Amoria, and the outro music is from Theological Spoon. So uh, see you next time. There won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday. There'll be no damn between us and our Lord Jackson, keep your hoods up Keep your hoods up And you stay up late Jackson, keep your hoods up